Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Derek Wong. Tonight we're discussing Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert's own Multiverse of Madness, A24's <laughs> Everything Everywhere All at Once, which stars Michelle Yeoh, Ki-Hui Kwan, Stephanie Su, and James Hong. I think this is one of the sleeper hits of the year. Everyone's super excited about it. Lots of hyperbole around this movie. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Derek doesn't think so. Derek doesn't think there's any sort of hyperbole around people calling it the best movie of all time. Yeah, no. If you don't know, this movie, I don't know if it's still true, but last week it was voted the highest rated movie on Letterboxd. So it overtook The Godfather and Parasite last week as the highest rated movie on that platform, which is pretty crazy. But I caught this movie back in March at South by Southwest, I was at the world premiere for this. Yeah, it was quite an experience. Um, the directors were there. The cast was there. That energy in that room was just something I hadn't felt in a long, long time. And I do honestly think that colors my opinion of the movie a little bit, just because, like, you know, people were clapping and cheering. People were, like, on their feet and, like, just laughing, completely packed theater i waited like three and a half hours online for this movie wait what um, say that again wow yeah it's three that? and a half three and a half hours and we almost didn't get seats it was insane i found out a day late that you could apply for like the vip press pass like they have a certain amount of like the it's like the disneyland fast lane pass or whatever you're guaranteed to yeah. get in first mm -hmm. you have to reserve the ticket at exactly 9 a.m and the tickets go in like literally one second they get snatched up like immediately that's crazy. especially for like the big premieres so i didn't even know that existed so uh it was my first day in austin and i was like well should i just 
wait in line for like an hour or two or like really really go early and make sure i get in because like i already flew all the way to austin for the film festival so i was like what's an extra hour waiting in line to like guarantee my seat right yeah Uh, so i was like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna go and just stand in line for three and a half hours and like it was so packed people were like scrambling for the seats it was a mad dash but it was worth it this movie is fantastic i love 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 this movie I don't know about what you guys felt, but... Um, I didn't wait three and a half hours. (laughs) I saw it after it came out. Um, Instead of seeing it with, like, the stars or whatever, I saw it with, like, a bunch (laughs) of random people in my theater. And I'm surprised that it wasn't just me. So, we had pretty different experiences. I would say that kind of colors it. So, that might be why I thought this movie fucking sucked. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I I, I liked the movie. I thought it was really good. But I just didn't exactly get the whole Lux treatment you did. So, I don't know if I walked away with yeah. uh, quite the exact same experience. But So, like, the theaters where you are, is it ever packed? Because every time you bring it up, it's always like, oh, it's only a couple people. Dude, it's never uh, packed. It's but never it, packed, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I went, like, Friday night at, like, 10 o'clock or something. Like, that's pretty prime movie time. Yeah, right? that's, like, peak movie time. Really? That's peak movie time? I'm, like, asleep, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is pretty late for a lot of people. For the youngins out there. If you get up from work, though, you have to, like, I don't know, like, give, give people time to, like, get home from work and, like, eat dinner and stuff. I don't know. No, no. On a Friday night, that's a good movie time. There was, like, 20, 25 people. Way more than I had anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, I really didn't expect that many at all. So maybe movies are starting to bounce back. Yeah. Did you notice any difference in, like, the, the theater composition? No, I, my theater was, I told Jeff before he got on, it was about, like, three quarters full. So there was a good amount of people in this theater. So, like, the audience was very responsive to the movie. I had a good amount of Asian, specifically Chinese people in the audience, too. So a lot of people were laughing during, like, the moments where they were just, like, talking Chinese and stuff. So I thought that was kind of a good response. But it seemed like generally everyone was really enjoying their time in this movie. And the same for me. I freaking love this movie. Like... I think that every movie after this this year is just fighting for second place, to be completely honest. Don't be surprised if this is going to be the top movie on my end of the year list. All right, all right. It's only April, man. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just calling it now. I'm calling my shot now. Wow. I'm, I'm pointing out into the outfield like Babe Ruth, man. I'm calling my shots. <laughs> I, I think I got out of this movie and like they didn't do anything better than anyone else, right? Like the action is great. The comedy is great. You know, I think every aspect of this movie is great, like the mother-daughter relationship, the romance of it all is great. I think the thing that really astounded me coming out of this movie was that I was there for the beginning, right? I feel like this movie, and this is the hyperbole part, like this is going to be like a movie that people remember down the line years and years from now. Like, where were you when you watched Star Wars? Where were you when you watched The Matrix? Where were you when you watched Everything Everywhere all at once? Mm-hmm. that's like the best praise I can give this movie is that I just feel like Jeff kind of already alluded. This was an experience that like I am not going to forget for a very long time. Yeah, I think uh, this is a very special movie in that regard. Like we talked about in our Matrix episode, like I never got the experience of seeing The Matrix in theaters. Yeah, me neither. Although I do think The Matrix is a better movie than this, but uh, that's another point entirely. But like if this is like a fraction of of what it felt like to see The Matrix in theaters. Like, I, I just think this is a very, very special experience. And, like, I haven't felt like this in a movie in a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Completely blown away by... Like you said, it's not like they did everything better than anyone else. It's yeah. just that this whole package just really clicked for me. And another thing that it has going for it is that it's not a franchise movie. Um, it's an original idea. And... It's taking this multiverse concept and it's turning it into something that really goes for the potential of the concept, right? Because I feel like, I mean, I'll have to reserve my words for Doctor Strange too, but I feel like this new trend of the multiverse is really only using it to like get a kick of nostalgia out of the audience. Like, hey, look at this. Don't you recognize this? Didn't you love this? You know? I felt way more out of this movie than, like, seeing Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, you know, like, in Mm -hmm. in Spider-Man No Way Home. And even though that was great, it felt a little scummy and manipulative to me to, like, be using something that could be so creative just to, like, get three (laughs) Spider-Men that we've known this entire time to come back and, like, 
be like, hey, don't you remember this? In the case of like the MCU, it's taken over a decade. In the case of Sony and Spider-Man, it's taken over like two decades to get to this point where it feels quote unquote right. Like this is their moment to now do a multiverse, right? To be able to be like, hey, let's nudge you this way and be like, you know, these Spider-Men or... Like, yeah. if you were to believe some of the rumors that are coming out of Doctor Strange, like, hey, you know these other characters from these other universes. But, like, this movie made it feel also natural, and it's contained within the time limit of, you know, two hours and, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, everyone's doing it the other way, right? Like, Doctor Strange, you got, like, I mean, I don't know if it's a spoiler because it's in the trailer, but, like, you got, like, the Illuminati, Patrick Stewart's in it. Who else is going to be in it? It's going to be, I don't know, just people we recognize. Even the DCEU is doing it with the Flash movie, this fucking yeah. cursed-ass Flash movie. Um, Michael Keaton's going to be in it. It's all like, hey, this thing from your childhood is back. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? Don't you love it? And this is just not that at all, which which I really, really do find admirable. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear from you, Amir. Like, was there things that didn't work for you? Is that why, or is it just maybe you heard too much hype before you went into this movie? I'm like, yeah, I think you know, it's a little bit of the first, but more of the second. I definitely had already heard the hype before I went in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd heard what both of you guys thought, and so maybe my expectations were just a little bit too high. I'm a little jealous that you guys had such great experiences with the movie. Not that I didn't enjoy it. Like, I liked it. It was fun. It's probably still my favorite of the year so far. Mm-hmm. But I am already anticipating that there will be movies that I'll enjoy more than this. Like I said, I spoke in hyperbole. Right. So, like, like, um, like, yeah. like, this is legitimately in the top 10 conversation for the year without a doubt. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm totally with you on that. But I think in terms of best of the last couple of years, best of the decade, best of all time. I don't really know if we're talking about that. I think the Chinese aspect of it, I'm sure, makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Like seeing people who look like your family and talk like your family and like with struggles that you can relate to in a very direct one-to-one way. Yeah. I think I'm sure that makes this movie hit a little closer to home. Like, you know, I remember thinking at least in the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie before it starts to get weird, like, wow, this seems like a very real family with dynamics that I can understand and feels very authentically Asian. I love to say that. No, no, I, Asian. Yeah. But like, yeah. I, I was like, this feels exactly like how I feel Lived my friends in. feel. Like, yeah, like... I could tell that this is something that was going to hit with people who had come from this background. Because I was like, yeah, this feels super real. Like, you can just, sometimes you can just kind of tell. You're like, yeah, this is like, like, it just reflected things that I'd heard people say about their own heritage, about how it was like growing up Chinese-American, or it's like growing up, I don't know, struggling with, like, uh, being a first generation or second generation or like dealing with like the burdens of family, like all these things that like yeah. were th- stoned throughout this movie. I was like, Oh, like that's all in there. Like this feels super duper real. So like I could tell that that was in this movie that that was going to hit. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciated about this movie was like the use of like Chinese mm-hmm. where I feel like a lot of other movies we've seen in the last couple of years, it's like, this set of dialogue is going to be all in Chinese, right? Like this two pages of dialogue is going to be in Chinese. And then this set of pages is going to be in English. And we'll still have both, right? It'll still feel kind of equal. But like, what I really appreciated about the dialogue was that this kind of interchanging of like jumping between like, even just certain words or certain like groupings of words were like in English or in Chinese, like it felt so much more fluid the way I speak sometimes with my parents. Or like mm-hmm. I don't know all the Chinese words, so like I have to like speak Chinese right. and then and then say a couple of English words, or like then our conversations will just kind of naturally go into English, but then go back and go into Chinese again, just because you know my parents are pretty fluent in both, so like we are able to kind of go back and forth between both. That was so authentic to me, yeah, right? Because like some critic was like, "Oh, it's like a a reference to the multiverse where they're speaking in so many languages or whatever," and like it's overwhelming and it's really exhausting. And I'm like, no, dude, that's like how we talk. Like, that's real life, man. You know, like at home, it's like a combination of, you know, Mandarin, Cantonese 
and English. I mean, for me, it's Shanghainese, but like it's an intermingling of all the different dialects plus English, right? And like、mm-hmm. that happens all the time. That, that felt like super real to me, and even like visually, things were very familiar to me. Like the clutter of their、yes. little、mm-hmm. above the laundromat apartment. I've known like so many aunties and uncles who had houses like that, where they had like shit. Everywhere, Everywhere, you know,、yeah. <laughs> um, that's like such an Asian thing too, and I, I, I totally recognize that. But should we give a little synopsis of the movie?、Uh, how do you yeah, even do explain this yeah, movie? Best, Jesus Christ! <laughs> so Evelyn, played by Michelle Yeoh, fucking legend, by the way. Yes, she really gets to like flex everything in this movie, like comedy,、yeah. drama, action. Really getting full use out of Michelle Yeoh, which I really, really love. So she's this Chinese American immigrant who owns a laundromat with her husband named Waymond, who is played by Kihui Kwan, who you might recognize from Indiana Jones as Short Round and The Goonies. He hasn't done anything since then.、Uh, this is like his first role since those two movies, and、uh, he's fantastic in this. He's so so good in this. I was gonna say he's had a very interesting career. Yes, though, very then, interesting which, career, which like is super meta when you think about it compared to the yes, movie. Like we'll、yes. get into it. We'll get into、really、that. Yeah, 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 for sure. And they have queer daughter named Joy, played by Stephanie Sue, and they also have their、uh, Gong Gong,、uh, yes. played by James Hong, who is how old is he now? He is ninety、like、three, I think. Yeah, and he is just such a prolific Asian. American actor. He's been in six hundred and fifty movies and television shows. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Yeah, and he's insane. still like super spry, and he's game for all this stuff. Basically, it's about this family trying to do their taxes. <laughs> That's basically what this movie's about. Yeah, basically what they're trying to do. Yeah, they're under this audit from Jamie Lee Curtis's character, who is a、uh, an IRS auditor. And in the middle of their meeting, Michelle Yeoh's Evelyn is interrupted by an alternate version of her husband, Alpha Waymond, who warns her that this huge multiversal threat is coming by the name of Jobu Tapaki, and that she is the only one able to defeat this evil. So they use this technique called verse jumping, which pulls different skills and abilities learned across different universes, like parallel universes, to like. Fight Jobu Tapaki and her minions, and a really, really cool, yeah, concept. Yeah, so you have like sign spinning, martial arts, just all these skills. Hot dog fingers. Hot dog fingers. We'll get into the, all the crazy shit that's in this movie, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just super creative use of the multiverse concept. I had a blast with this movie. Uh, so that's just kind of general synopsis. So now we can probably dive a little bit deeper into like everything, everything, <laughs> Every, yeah, everywhere, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> yeah, just don't do it all at once. Let's do that. <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess we should probably just start with our leads, right? I mean, Michelle Yeoh and、uh, Kihyu Kwan. But I mean, I, more specifically, let's start with Michelle Yeoh. I mean, you mentioned it already. Like she's a star in her own right, and like、uh-huh. I remember reading an article from the, the directors were like scared that they wouldn't even be able to get her as、yeah. like the lead because you know, and she's perfect for this, right? Like, yeah, she could do action, she could do comedy. I mean, she's done action comedy with like Jackie Chan in the past.、Mm-hmm. Um, she could do like the serious roles, like you know, you most recently you've seen her in Crazy Rich Asians, right? Yeah. So like she can do it all, and like she fits this role so perfectly, and basically pretty much written for her. So I think she does a spectacular job in this role. Yeah, so many iconic roles under her belt too, like、mm-hmm. uh, Super Cop, Tomorrow Never Dies, Crouching Tiger.、Uh, yeah, I think if you know her, you know her from Crouching Tiger. Probably, yeah, right. Yeah. Like you, if you don't know her for anything else, you know her from that. She's in the Marvel Universe. She's in. She's in the、yeah. MCU. She's in.、Yes. She's in Shang Chi. She's、uh-huh. um, in the new Star Trek. Yeah,、uh, Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, I think they were gonna do a spinoff. I think they put that on hold because I haven't seen anything about that since they announced it.、Mm. But I don't know. Yeah, she's in Star Trek. I've known her ever since. I doubt you guys have seen it, but the 1993 movie Holy Weapon. Have you ever seen that? No.、Um, I think so. no. It's like this crazy low budget wuxia film. And it's about these seven women who have to fight this like evil swordsman or whatever. And these women, they 
link up and become a super mecha person. They like climb up onto each other. So it's like a Voltron of people. Okay. It's a ridiculous Kung Fu movie. It's so crazy. It's so funny. Um, you guys have to check it out. It's All like right. it's it's a fucking vibe in and well, of itself. I mean, the funny thing is I know her from the the Supercop movies, right? The, yeah. The, the stuff that yeah, she does yeah. with Jackie Chan. So like I've known about her for a very long time and it's like I kind of forget that people don't really know that she's like an action star. She's primarily an action star in my heart, right? Yeah, in my mind. Right, yeah. She does like crazy motorcycle stunt in Supercop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where she almost fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, some great, great stuff from Michelle Yeoh. And then we got the other side of the coin, which is Kihu Kwan, which we've already started to talk about. Like, he's been this iconic, I guess for us, like iconic Asian actor, right? He's child actor. Ch- yeah. Asian child actor is like one of the first ones I can remember, right? Data and, and Short Round. Mm-hmm. But I mean, ever since then, he's done like really small acting roles but like mm. nothing as big as like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. short round data but what's really interesting he was also like a dp on um a wong kar wai film right i think it was 2046 yeah um and then he was also like one of the stunt corners for like jet lee's the one which is oh like, i didn't know that one yeah Ooh. just those two movies alone are super meta because like one of the multiverses that we get in this movie is essentially a wong kar wai movie yeah like it's basically right, in the mood yeah. for love which mm-hmm. I freaking loved. And so it's kind of re- really interesting to like see that he has like a history with Wong Kar Wai. So he probably was like, I know how to do this. I know how we should do this. And man, he cleans up good. He looks good yeah. in, the, in yeah. the Wong Kar Wai universe. <laughs> I mean, they both do. They both oh, look yeah. great in that. And then just speaking on like that universe, like it's super meta because that's basically the Michelle Yeoh universe, right? She becomes an actress that's also yeah. herself a yeah because yeah. like, yeah. they even use stock footage of her right like, they use like red carpet footage of her like at the crazy rich asians premiere and stuff uh yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's so good. it's great it's so good <laughs> both of them can just do action like no other i think about the the fanny pack fight that yeah Kwan has early on yeah insane also like my favorite one, of course, is the butt plug fight. Like, <laughs> oh, yes. I remember seeing that uh, trophy that, uh, what's her name, points out the IRS agent. Yeah, that looks out. like a butt plug, yeah. Yeah, like points out early on, people were just like laughing. He was like, that looks like a butt plug. And then to realize like it becomes a feature later in the movie, which is hilarious. It's Chekhov's butt plug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing with a lot of the uh, multiverse concepts in this movie. I think... I think, like, in lesser hands, a lot of the stuff could be cringe. You know, like the hot dog fingers mm-hmm. and the raccoony ratatouille gag. I think if you don't commit to that, if you don't commit to those bits, I feel like it'll come off as cringe. And everyone gave those bits, like, their 100%. Like, mm-hmm. Harry Shum Jr. as the teppanyaki chef who's got the raccoon On his controlling head, yeah. his stuff. Mm-hmm. They were just like 100% committed, and I think a lot of the success of the multiverse stuff comes from like how serious they were and and making the gags work, right? Well, even like the presence of Jamie Lee Curtis being this like weird IRS agent, but then when she gets taken over by one of her alter egos to become like the wrestling version of her, she's like fully committed into this persona, this fight scene that she's going to have with Michelle Yeoh, which is like, you freaking love to see it, right? What other movie do you see like women over the age of 50 slash 60 like duking it out right yeah that's true yeah. i didn't yeah, even yeah. think about it that way yeah for sure which i i just like love that this movie kind of goes everywhere i just love that being a fan of movies there's so many references to other movies right like we talked about the Wong Kar Wai stuff you've already mentioned the ratatouille joke right yeah and like it's got so many different genres it's got sci-fi it's got comedy it's got action comedy it's got mm-hmm. like horror elements in it right it's really really great yeah yeah, so in my review, I mentioned that it's kind of like a feature-length, live-action, Rick and Morty, interdimensional cable episode. And Amir, I know you have thoughts on that, so yeah. I want to pick your brain about that. It's immediately what I thought of when I saw this movie. So it has the same... Sorry, can you guys... Maybe I'm a bad Rick and Morty fan. Which one was that one again? 
That's the one where they watch all the TV shows and they're completely like random and weird. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. they're yeah, all yeah. coming from different universes, right? Like, yeah, 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 from yeah. different mm-hmm. universes. Yeah, yeah. So this movie was definitely funnier and sillier than I anticipated. Yeah. As you guys said already, there's a butt plug fight, so like it's definitely not. You know, it takes itself seriously, but not so seriously that it can't be funny or poke fun. And so there's definitely a lot more silliness in the movie than I had expected. And so, like, the zany kind of tone combined with ultimately the focus on, like, unhealthy family dynamics and how to fix them. Very mm-hmm. much reminded me of Rick and Morty because that's Rick and Morty's whole thing. Right, right? for sure, yes. for sure. Um, is, is combining those two things. And so, like, the sci-fi zaniness plus the heartfelt, you know, heartwarming family, like, lesson at the end is definitely a Rick and Morty thing. And I was like, oh. So, like, I don't know. I'd gone into this hearing that, oh, like, you'll never see anything like this in your life. And I'm like, well, this is kind of like a Rick and Morty episode. Like, <laughs> That's true. All it right. was good, but, like, I don't know. I've already seen Rick and Morty. Like, if I'd never heard of Rick and Morty, this definitely would have been like, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. But um, I have, contrary to the claims of, I don't know, all of the hype I'd heard before going to see it. So yeah. I guess that threw me a little bit, just hearing all of the praise about how unique this was and then being like, no, look, I, I've seen something like this before. I mean, definitely not the exact same, right? Um, you know, to do this in live action is a completely different proposition. You know, this pulls off, I think, you know, this definitely does things that Rick and Morty's not doing. So don't get me wrong. Yeah. There are similarities there. And so I thought that was interesting. Given that everyone's always saying, like, oh, how, how everything everywhere all at once is something you've never seen in your life. It's like, well, I don't know. If you're, like, a sci-fi person, if you're well-versed in this stuff, you've definitely seen this before. I agree with you. I do think that. But the other thing is that I think, like, comic books and, like, Rick and Morty, which is adult animation on Cartoon Network, they're very niche and narrow pieces of pop culture. And... I feel like this is way more mainstream. It's a wide theatrical release. And just to see that kind of creativity in something like that, especially when it's been very, you know, like franchise driven and like, oh, building everything to the next thing and, you know, big tent poles and things like that. It's like to see that in a mainstream wide release movie is very refreshing to me. Yeah. Um, Like I'm very excited to see my biggest nerd fantasies and become part of the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, Become part of the mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That that makes a ton of sense. I think for me, like, and I, you know, I said it at the top and you're saying the same thing. Like this isn't something I haven't seen before. I don't think they do anything like with the action or with a family dynamic that isn't unfamiliar. Like it's, it's not just something all done and combined together. So yeah. Right. But I think what's really interesting is maybe, I haven't really seen before is this movie is way more interested than most movies or most properties in establishing the rules of the multiverse. Right? Mm-hmm. Like Spider-Man No Way Home, it's like, oh, we fucked up a spell and by the end of it, you're gonna get to see all the Spider-Man together. And like that's all they really care about. Mm-hmm. Versus this movie like wants to create a language about like, you know, there's one choice that you've made that has branched off and like in order for you to tap into that you have to stick a fucking butt plug up your butt, right? And like, it's like, it's quirky, it's weird, but it sets up these rules that I totally understand. And they're very consistent. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like she has to lick a table and then she'll become somebody else. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so interesting that, yeah, that I think this movie, in a way, almost time travel has been for so long, like different movies, like, you know, Back to the Future is kind of the cornerstone of time travel movies, right? Like where it's set up this logic that so many other movies, so many other properties like joke about or like reference now. I'm wondering if this movie might be that for the multiverse moving forward, right? You know, I'm waiting 10 years down the line where someone does a, a multiverse movie and they talk about everything everywhere all at once, you know? Yeah. Like all the rules are very consistent. Like it's all very silly, but... They try to make everything make sense where, you know, like to verse jump to get these abilities, you have to find the optimal path to like a parallel universe where you have the skill that you require. You have to do all these random actions to like send your mind into that universe. Michelle Yeoh has to tell Jamie Lee Curtis, I love you. That's like one of the things. And then Mm -hmm. uh, Wayman has to give himself paper cuts in between his fingers, which is super cringe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the butt plug stuff, you know? Yeah. 
Take a shot every time we say butt plug, because it's not, so it just, <laughs> oh, not going to be the wow. last time we're going to say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what you guys are talking about is what makes for good science fiction, which is like establishing an ultimate reality and making yes. it clear what the differences are between that world and our world and how the rules work. And then you can play out those scenarios without like consistent rules and adherence to the rules that have been set down, it doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, some adherence to whatever, like, flimsy attachment to science or whatever. But, like, it's doing that well. I think that's what you guys are picking up on is, like, oh, this is, like, good science fiction, something you can, like, sink your teeth into in a way. Uh, they're, they're following the forms of the genre uh, in a way like The Matrix did. It makes you think, hey, wow, based on, you know, these premises wow that like opens up all these things i can think about it opens up ways you can think about the world huh how does that work right mm-hmm. this movie did that i think that that seems to be the the common element you guys are talking about yeah one actress that we haven't talked about is the one uh who plays joy wang or i guess you know we're in the spoilers who also plays jobu tupaki mm-hmm. ultimate i guess villain of this movie but she's not really a villain um like, this is not just, a, like, a two-hander. This is, like, a three-hander, right? Well, I mean, she is great also, like, having to pull so much different range when it comes to, like, again, drama and, like, comedy and, like, action. Like, she's doing it all as much as uh, the other two actors that we've already mentioned. I want to say, I won't even go as far as say, like, Stephanie Chu is, like, this movie's secret weapon. She's fucking phenomenal Yeah, in this. I think she really brings everything together. Um, she's great as Jobu Tapaki, just totally unhinged performance that I fucking love. But she's also great at, you know, playing Joy, you know, and like getting to like the hurt and um, the vulnerability in the presence of her family, you know, and this idea of like the intergenerational trauma of like Evelyn, who pretty much eloped with Waymond after her father disowned her, right? And then She's pretty much doing the same thing to her daughter, who she's, like, brushing aside, like, her girlfriend, um, and she won't admit to her father that his granddaughter has a girlfriend. I really love the emotional core of this movie, and I think Stephanie Hsu is at the center of this. She's so, so good. Yeah, absolutely. She's, like, the villain of the movie, but, Uh you know, the movie is about, I guess... You know, like, in case you didn't get what our Evelyn is doing wrong, Jobu Tapaki comes from this alpha universe, this other universe where they developed the technology diverse jump, and her origin story is that her mom pushed her too hard, mm-hmm. you know, to learn to reverse jump, and that, like, fractured her mind, and it made her, I guess, basically, like, suicidal and yeah. homicidal, but <laughs> but uh, a bit of both. And so, like, if you didn't pick up what the movie's putting down, they're saying, hey, like, Evelyn is driving her child away, driving her to possibly, like, suicidal depression, um, driving a wedge into her family. And we didn't even talk about the fact that Waymond is trying to divorce his wife at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, this is not, like, a perfect person by any means, right? Well, this is just, like, not a perfect dynamic between this whole family, right? In fact, quite the opposite. She's actually, like, <laughs> the special Evelyn because she's so bad at everything. Yeah, I love that thread. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And and Wayman's like, you know, you have so much potential because you're just so bad at everything. It's just such a funny and also moving thread in this movie that I, I really, really like. You know, she's told that she's the one, right? Like, she's so good at this because she's not good at anything, right? Yeah. Like, so she's kind of able to absorb everything. What's really interesting is, like, they follow that through line where, like, Jobu Topaki character is like, well, nothing matters. We shouldn't exist because nothing matters. But then, like, Michelle Yeoh's character of Evelyn discovers, like, well, at the end, because nothing matters, everything can matter, right? So it's, mm-hmm. like, that kind of theme gets pushed even to, like, the resolution of this movie, which I thought was super beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just want to clarify, like, Wayman doesn't actually want to divorce Evelyn, yeah. right? Because he's like, I tried everything. I tried talking to you. I tried, like, doing all these things to, like, repair a relationship. But it seems like the only thing that gets your attention is, like, extreme measures, right? So I went through the motions of, like, filing for a divorce. So you'll finally, like, pay attention to me. Yeah. 
But he's still filing for divorce. Like I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, he's not yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's not like he doesn't love he's his still wife. Wife it's, paperwork. It's right. not. It's not like he's miserable and is like fleeing from a relationship that's only negative, and he's getting out from under the thumb of his abuser or some shit like that. Fine. Uh-huh. Like I, I get that, but he does still file those papers, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't. I don't know. Maybe thinks she can change. I don't know. Well, it's also really interesting that he's the one who files it, right? Because he's the one who like brought her here, right, to America to start this laundry business and like take her away from her family like you fully kind of expect her to be the character that would want out of this relationship but then ultimately like it's him who initiates the divorce right Mm -hmm. well it seems like she's sort of the difficult one right i don't know there's this dynamic relationship where she's the the tough one the hard one who makes the hard decisions and who like stays on top of things and he's kind of like this i don't know he's like this dreamer yeah he's nebbish and nebbish optimist he puts like googly eyes on everything yeah and and like she she says like oh like i i sometimes i wonder how your father would have survived without me or whatever like yeah how could he even made it without me you know and then there's a whole uh-huh. bit when they're jumping into the universe where she sees what her life would have been like without him and at first she thinks like how amazing it is yeah. <laughs> and she's like telling her husband how amazing her life would have been without him if he had like dragged her down dragged her to america you know, derailed her career path, all of this. And then he yeah. disappears in order to make room for the Alpha Waymond. And she's like, wait, 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 no, bring him back. I haven't finished telling him how amazing my <laughs> life is without him. And it's like, it's like amazing. It's played for last, but it's also really sad, you know? Yeah, it's um, super sad, right? But it, it lends into their love story, though. Like, because I, I think there's like two elements to the family dynamic, right? There's the mother-daughter stuff that we've talked a lot about. But then it's also a love story between Waymond and Evelyn. Right. Mm-hmm. And like that kind of shows you that even though she was like happy being the movie star, but like there's a point of reconciliation there where like it almost feels like they were still kind of meant to end up together. Uh, at least that's how I read it. So like, I, I don't know. I, I really found their love story like super sweet by the end yeah. of this. Yeah. I really yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I think for me, I focused on the generational trauma bit because Joe Tupaki is the villain. That's Evelyn's daughter. And then. Mm-hmm. Also, the Gungung thing, like that's the other generation, right? And you see, yes. what, yeah. and you see what he did to her, right? And how shitty he was to her, and she's so shitty to her daughter too. You can see in the like the little flashbacks or the alter universe flashbacks where someone apologizes and they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, it's a girl," or whatever. Yeah, when, yeah, they, yeah. when he has Evelyn, and then like I don't know, she's always tearing Joy down, like, "Oh, you need to lose weight." And, like, always kind of... Microaggressions. <laughs> yeah. I just always super mean to her daughter. I mean, it's like the Asian parent mentality. Like, you'll never tell your kids, like, you're proud of them or whatever. Yeah. You, know, like, you can see she's struggling to tell her, like, I love you and I'm proud of her. And instead, she's like, oh, you need to lose weight. <laughs> it's like, it's very funny. I mean, we've seen in a lot of media nowadays, like, that typical Asian American or even immigrant American, like, story, right? The struggle between the old and the new. Yeah. That's really embodied really well, I think, in the Evelyn character, right? Like, I found it really refreshing at the beginning of the movie. She didn't have a problem with her daughter actually being lesbian. She did. She did. See, I read it as she didn't have a problem with it as much as she knows that her father would have a problem. I didn't at all. I read it as she's using her father to cover up for her own discomfort with it. And she's using that as an excuse. Mm, okay no i didn't read it like instead that. of standing up for her daughter oh, i'm curious jeff where do you lie on this one it could be both ways okay no pick a side no, i was kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah who's right <laughs> because like that filial pressure is a real thing right like to yeah. yield to your parents and like their way of thinking right so it could be either way and then you know like she might really be afraid of what her father will think that's such like an asian mentality too i do want to bring up the one set piece that I really, really like in this movie, which is Joba Tapaki's entrance against the Rent-A-Cops. Oh, yeah. That was so fantastic. I feel like that's when the movie started going completely fucking off the rails in the best way possible. Because she's doing all this crazy shit. She's turning one of the cops' heads into confetti. And then one of the cops shoots her. And, like, she's bleeding, and then she picks up the blood, and it's, like, mmm, organic. And it's, like, like ketchup. I yeah. laughed so hard. Yeah. It was so fucking funny. I want to shout out, like, the editor for this movie, Paul Rogers. Because, like, a lot of the stunt work and stuff 
Um, we'll we'll get to the choreographers and stunt coordinators later, yes, but like please. Paul Rogers, his editing is so whip smart. I feel like a lot of the Joe Tapaki stuff in that scene is practical. It's just like clever transitions, hiding cuts in places. It's like kind of like a quick change artist, right? It's like yeah. really, really, really cool. You kind of have to see it to to know what I'm talking about, but it's really dazzling set piece in the movie and and the editing has a lot to do with it you already kind of mentioned it do you want to get into some of the the stunt choreography and the stunt coordinators and like the whole martial arts of it all yeah this is like a big martial arts movie there's a lot of martial arts in this yeah which i expected with michelle yo starring and and it did not disappoint it did not disappoint i really want to shout out like brian lay and and annie lay the two brothers from martial club i mean those guys are just killing it the last couple years they really are you know like coordinated for shang chi mm-hmm. that movie uh paper tigers have paper you seen tigers that one? Yep. yeah paper mm-hmm. tigers is really good yeah they both have roles in that yeah yeah and like if you don't know brian lay i think he was like the stunt double for nick frost's character like into the badlands okay yeah um, yeah and then andy lay like you don't see him his face he was death dealer, death dealer in, in shang chi so like all that martial arts was all him mm. Like, these are two self-taught brothers, yeah. right? They weren't trained in any way. They were self-taught, and they basically have been doing this, like, YouTube channel for, like, years and years and years. And finally, they're just starting to, like, break through this scene. And uh, I've been noticing them a lot more, and I can't wait to see where these guys go. Yeah. In the movie, if you don't know, they are the two people that fight in the butt plug fight. Yeah. A hilarious fight. I love the fact that, like, clearly you understand what one is trying to do and then all of a sudden another one comes out steals his thunder and like you know lands on that one and then the other one sticks a trophy up his butt and then we got this amazing fight that happens yeah Uh, yeah another shining light i think one of the funniest moments in this movie was and we've already kind of mentioned it the whole like ratatouille rakakui joke yeah that happens like i thought it was just this one-off throwaway she just doesn't know how to say ratatouille so she says rakakui and just like confuses it with a raccoon and i thought it was just like oh haha she doesn't completely understand and you know it was funny it was fine but then to find out that it's like another universe where she's a hibachi chef and (laughs) the character played by harry shum jr like actually has a raccoon in his hat that like you know basically makes him the best hibachi chef at whatever restaurant he's at i thought that was such a brilliant joke i mean that's the thing with a multiverse if you can think it it's probably a universe right it's probably (laughs) happening already yeah they totally lean into it right like it becomes its own little subplot in a way that i never expected but like i laugh so hard when like you first get introduced to her as a chef and then she talks about like oh my rival over there and like the rival's like killing it and then when he turns around you just see like a raccoon tail coming out of his head (laughs) and i was just like oh my god that's funny it's super funny and like a lot of things that you think are like one-off gags they all come back like the sausage sausage Mm -hmm. hot dog fingers universe so funny I thought that was hilarious, too. Um, and the mustard and the ketchup. The like. mustard and the ketchup. It's so, so funny. And then Evelyn and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Deirdre, mm-hmm. uh, they're like lesbian lovers in that universe, too. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just so, so funny. It's <laughs> All right. Do you guys know what Deirdre's last name is? No. It's Boo Beardra. <laughs> Boo Beardra? Her name is Deirdre <laughs> Boo Beardra. <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. That's amazing. That's hilarious, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, we really haven't talked much about Jamie Lee Curtis, but man, she is also great in this movie. Like, for a role that is, I mean, it really is like, you normally don't say this, it's like maybe third or fourth down, right, on the score sheet when it comes to like, I think, standout performances, but Mm -hmm. she's still great. Like, it's still. Yeah, she's still good. It was so great to see her in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to mention, because Amir, you said that, like, you weren't expecting this movie to be so funny and silly, but I feel like if you've seen Daniels, they're collectively known as just Daniels, which I think mm-hmm. is very funny in and of itself. If you've seen their first movie, uh, their first feature film, Swiss Army Man, you might have a better idea of yeah, I how didn't wacky see um, their sensibilities are, where uh, Daniel Radcliffe plays a a corpse <laughs> with Paul Dano. A great performance by both those guys, too. That movie's really good, too. I yeah. do like that movie, yeah. Yeah, that movie's so weird, too. It's so weird. Honestly, just keep it coming. The weirdness is, it works, man. Yeah. 
And then we actually have a little cameo from one of the directors in this movie, um, Daniel Shiner. Yeah. Who does he play? He plays the guy who gets spanked, the boss. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh yeah, wow. So, yeah, he plays that role. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, with the BDSM gear. Yeah, 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 yeah. With yeah, the yeah, hidden yeah, office yeah, yeah. and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I love the sign spinning uh, universe, too, where she's using, like, the riot shield, and then she uses her sign spinning skills from the other universe to, like, take down all the goons. It's great. All, all the action was really great. And, like, yeah. I, I really praise it also because it's, like, action comedy. Like, in a way, like, a best homage to, like, someone like Jackie Chan, right? It reminded me a lot of, like, the stuff he does. I don't know. I, I had a blast with the, the martial arts in this movie. Yeah. And this movie looks so good for $25 million oh, yeah. uh, budget. And no VFX house did this. You know, there's only like a couple big VFX houses that do all the VFX in all the big movies, right? This is just like a bunch of people like who had YouTube stuff coming together and like doing all the visual effects, which is... Ground level, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I understand what you mean. Like, really grassroots in a sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly appreciate so much about this movie. And I, I mean, I really want to see it again. I know you've seen it twice, Jeff. And yeah. Yeah, I, I do really want to see it again. I'll speak for myself, at least. I mean, I highly recommend this movie. This is, like I've already said, like, one of my favorite movies of this year. And, like, it's probably going to be one of my favorite movies of this year, like, hands down. So, yeah, it's super funny. It's got good action it's got a good family dynamic and definitely go watch it if you can please it's basically the most fun i've had at the movies in like years when was the last time you saw a movie where you just had that much fun at the theater i don't know i don't remember the last time i vocally set out like more than three times i said what the fuck like real loud like i was caught myself saying it a couple times i was like because this movie is just crazy it's like bonkers there's just so many noteworthy moments in this movie that's just like hopefully we're selling it correctly <laughs> yeah um i think it's definitely worth seeing um one of the best of the year so far probably going to end up being one of the best of the year by the end of it i don't think it's too early to say that and yeah. um yeah it's a heck of a lot of fun it's it's a silly fun action-packed touching sci-fi action black comedy movie it does a whole bunch of different things um, it's all, all at once, yeah, Everywhere. absolutely. All at once, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, I, I encourage people to go see it. Um, even if you can't see it the way Jeff did, it's still worth watching. <laughs> I also do like the little thread of uh, women's, you know, be kind. Yes, uh, moment. Oh my god, thank you for bringing that up. Yes, because that set piece is fucking great too. When Jobu Tupaki's got the black hole and it's like sucking everything in, and everyone's trying to attack Evelyn. And then she does all these things. It's like to spread love instead of violence, which I think is really, really funny. Like she uh, smashes two people's heads together and is like, oh, you know, it's like the martial arts move, you know, like the skull crack. But then it's like, oh, she's making them kiss. And then they all of a sudden they they're married or whatever. They're married. They turn into like, you know, the guys suddenly got a tux on and the girls got like the wedding dress. It's yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, what else is there? There's like a. She realized the guy's spine with some like chiropractic. Yeah, yeah. Chiropractor right, right, right. kung fu. Like the pressure points or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Healing him with that. Is, it's, it's great. It's so funny. A whole bunch of stuff like that, which is really cool. Which yeah. really reminds me of like one of my favorite movies of last year, right? We talked about extensively was Pig, right? Like. Uh-huh. You know, we thought it was this going to be this like murderous action rampage and Nick Cage goes on. But instead, he like he cooks a meal and like that's the resolution of that movie, right? Like he basically kills him with kindness instead of like. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it's like basically that same message, right? She's like, oh, why do you bring her the cookies? Right. It's like, well, she likes the cookies, you know? Yeah. And it, it, a lot of times that's what works too like that's how they get out of their sticky situations with Deirdre is that because because Wayman is so kind to her mm-hmm. right and it's just like I love that through line I'm so glad you brought that up yeah that's yeah, one of the yeah. be- better through lines in this movie yeah it's very Vonnegut right one last thing I want to bring up was someone brought up this uh in an interview with Daniels this uh uh running gag with the song absolutely do you know this I I, I talked no. to Amir about this yesterday uh the song absolutely story of a girl Everyone knows a song. 
This is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. And while she looks so sad in photographs, I absolutely love her when she smiles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> um, there's a running joke in this because they wrote the script with Wayman's character when he's explaining the multiverse to Evelyn. He's like, you know, you're like, your clothes never wear as well the next day. Your hair never falls quite the same way. He does. He says that. And then the Daniels, they wrote that and they're like, we definitely fucking stole that from something. But I don't know what it was. Uh, I don't know what it is that we stole it from. And they Googled it. It's like, oh, fuck, we used those song lyrics. And it's like, it's like, all right, well, so what happened was like, we'll keep that in the script and then we'll go back in the end and change it to something else. But then like, they were like, damn, we just could never find anything as good as that line from that song. Yeah. <laughs> so they went to the band and they're like, you know what? We're going to put the the lyrics. the lyrics into the movie. And they're like, yeah, why don't you put the song in too? So they have like little bits of the song playing throughout the movie too. Oh, like, that's so cool. When um, they're in the alpha universe in the van trying to like escape from Joba Topaki mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, it's playing on the radio there. There's like little bits and pieces of it. It's it's so funny. It's such oh, a good running so cool. gag that I didn't even realize until I read this uh, read this article. I think it's on Mashable. Nice. Okay. Someone wrote about that. So see, that's exactly why I have to go back and watch it so I can catch that. <laughs> all right. Well, we sung our high praises, um, but I guess if that is all, that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? You can find me in an alternate universe where I'm part of a much bigger, more successful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Derek? The podcast is called The Everything Bagel. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Alpha Strange Harbors, let's go. Yes, Alpha, Alpha Strange, Strange Harbors. Harbors. Yes. Well, the 2022 rebrand. If you want to follow me, I am on Instagram at World's OKS Photos and Screen Asians Guild. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on everything, everywhere, all at once, Wow, that was a mouthful. (laughs) Feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like to read emails out on the pod sometimes, so feel free to do that. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.